Hello and welcome to another edition of Todd Talks Bible. This engaging discipleship-based Bible study is sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. And our teacher is Todd Tolles, the founder and director of CDM. A career firefighter captain before entering the ministry, Todd founded Church Discipleship Ministries to equip and empower believers to fulfill your calling to be a spiritual warrior dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's listen in now as Todd Talks Bible. So we've studied the beast of the sea and seen that it's the worldwide government that's predicted in Scripture. But what's this second beast, the beast from the earth? And what about this mark, the mark of the beast? Well, let's talk about these things and more coming up next. Hi, brothers and sisters. My name is Todd Tolles, and I'm with Church Discipleship Ministries. I want to welcome you to our discipleship program, Todd Talks Bible. We are in Revelation chapter 13, looking at the second half of this chapter, and we're looking at the second beast that arise in this vision that John had. This is the beast from the earth. And this beast, well, is rather alarming for us as Christians, let me tell you. So let's take a good look at it and dive right in. Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 11. Then I saw another beast come out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, and he spoke with the voice of a dragon. Now right there, he describes the beast. It says it has two horns like those of a lamb. Now, obviously, I think this is an attempt to appear like the Lamb of God. Remember, in John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And this is what he said to his disciples. John the Baptist said, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus has always been the Lamb of God. And that's why he died on the cross for our sins at Passover. Just like they were slaughtering Passover lambs for the forgiveness of their sins, Jesus was slaughtered on the cross as the Lamb of God to pay for our sins for the whole world once and for all. Later on in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, John sees... Jesus coming, and he's up in heaven, and an angel says, you know, that this is a Lamb of God. Listen to what John says. He says, I looked, and I saw a lamb that had been killed, but was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. So Jesus is the Lamb of God, and this beast coming out of the earth is not of God. Remember, it says, I saw another beast come out of the earth. He had two horns like like those of a lamb, and he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He's speaking the voice of the dragon. And we learn from our previous studies that the dragon in Revelation chapter 12 represents Satan and the, the worldwide empires that Satan has backed throughout history. So this is not Jesus, but it's some type of organization that's trying to mimic Jesus, to try and maybe ride on the coattails of Jesus in some way. But it's not of God, it's of the devil. It speaks the words of the dragon. Now let's go into a little bit more of this beast from this verse in verse 11. 
using Daniel's key that we've already talked about, we can know that the beast represents some kind of government or organization. So this beast of the earth that looks like the lamb with two horns is some type of government or organization, okay? Because that's what a beast always represents, a power, a world power, an empire, a government of some sort. Now, the two horns we know from the keys that we've studied in Daniel is representing two vassal kings, two rulers that's underneath the top ruler of these empires. And again, it says it spoke with the voice of the dragon. So this government, if you will, or this organization has two vassal kings, but they are sold out to the devil. They are empowered by Satan to take this beast into a place of power and control the world through it. Now, let's see some more about this beast of the earth. And again, remember, this is different from the beast of the sea that is a one world government. This is different, even though they seem to be related right now. The purpose of the beast, let's look at that in Revelation 13, verse 12. Let's see what the purpose of this beast is, and we can better understand this identity from looking at it. Verse 12, he, referring to the beast, exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and those who belong to this world to worship the first beast whose death wound had been healed. So again, it says that he, the second beast, this second government or organization of some sort, is exercising all the authority of the first beast. Now, the first beast was this worldwide government. And if you look at chapter 13, verse 2, let's flip back over there. John recorded this for us. This beast, talking about the beast from the sea, looked like a leopard, but it had a bear's feet and a lion's mouth, and the dragon gave him his own power and throne and great authority. So the dragon or the devil is empowering this worldwide government that came from the sea. And he, like we talked about last session, is either in control of this human leader that runs this empire or actually possessing this world leader. This world leader may be possessed by various demons or Satan himself. We don't know. But he obviously is being controlled from Satan. Satan gave him all his authority and power. So he's obviously using this guy through some type of possession, demonic possession. And personally, I think it's the devil himself possessing this man who's ruling this worldwide power. Now, we talked about that last time, and we said that this beast of the sea gets all its power from Satan, and that the top guy the top ruler of this beast is commonly called the Antichrist. Now, I'm not going to go over all those verses again, but that's what John calls him in his epistles. And Paul calls him the man of sin or the man of lawlessness, depending on your translation. You can look at next, 
I mean, last week's video, last session, to get more of these verses if you want to. But just to review, Satan is giving the power, his power, to the first beast, this worldwide government. And it's being ruled by a person who's called the Antichrist. Now, this beast from the sea, this Antichrist, is now giving his authority to the beast of the earth. That's what it says here in verse 12. He, talking about the second beast that arose from the earth, exercised all the authority of the first beast. So whatever this government or organization is, this is exercising the same authority as the first beast. In other words, this worldwide government is sanctioning this second organization. Now, what is this organization? Well, we'll find out in a little bit. And who is running this second beast, this second organization? Well, again, we'll find out later in this passage. But right now, let's look at a second thing that verse 12 reveals to us in the purpose of this beast. It says, I'm going to start at the beginning, verse 12. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and those who belong to this world to worship the first beast whose death wound had been healed. So this second beast, this second organization, is requiring everyone in the world to worship this first beast to worship this one worldwide government leader, this Antichrist who is possessed by Satan. This second beast is causing everyone to worship this first beast. So it's pretty obvious. You've already guessed it, haven't you? This second beast, the beast of the earth, is a worldwide religion a worldwide religion that is in bed with this worldwide government and is causing all the world to worship the world leader known as the Antichrist. And again, it refers to this wound that was healed, this death wound that was healed. And we talked about that again last session. Uh, is it a physical wound and they have some kind of resurrection? or cloning, or all those theories we talked about last time, I don't know. I kind of think it's talking about a government in the past, a worldwide empire in the past that no longer exists, that comes back to rule the world. And everybody's amazed that this historical empire is now rising again. That's what I think it is. But, you know, like I said last session, it could be something different. If you have a different opinion, check out last week's video and see what you think. So, but what we know in Scripture right now from verse 11 and verse 12 is that this second beast is giving authority by the first beast, so they're in bed together, and that this second beast is some type of worldwide religion that's causing everyone to worship the first beast. And these two vassal kings 
are probably representative of two leaders from two totally different religions that's uniting for one ecumenical religion. What I think this two horns represents is the Christian church and the Muslim religion uniting under one organization, one world religion that's headed by some religious leader. And this religious leader is causing everyone to worship the Antichrist. Now let's go on. What could this top religious leader be known as? Well, the book of Revelation gives us the answer. Let's look at Revelation 19, verse 20. Revelation 19, verse 20 says this. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. So this first beast of the sea, this worldwide empire, has a man that rules over it. In the book of Revelation, John refers to him as the beast, the little bee beast, meaning it's a world leader. In his epistles, he calls him the Antichrist. So he is the one world governmental leader ruling the entire world, and he has sanctioned a worldwide religion, and that worldwide religion is headed up by someone the Bible calls the false prophet. And this false prophet is using fake miracles and false theology and uniting all the world's religions under this false religion that doesn't worship God, no. It worships this world leader as a God. And this false religion headed up by the false prophet and this one world government are all connected and in bed with each other. And we've seen something similar to this in the history books, haven't we? The Holy Roman Empire in the Middle Ages, that's exactly what was going on. The church, the Catholic church, had gotten in bed with all the kings of Europe and all the intrigue and backstabbing and all the political nonsense that was going on during those days in Europe. It was all a combination of a religion and a governmental leader. You see, you really can't have a world power, a world government, unless you can control people's hearts. And the best way to control their hearts is through a false prophet. So this is nothing new. We have seen false religions, false prophets like the popes of Europe always getting in bed with various kings and using that religion to control people's hearts for this world government. And that's what's going on here now, except it's going to be on a worldwide uh, basis, not just Europe. Also, if you remember some of our teachings from previous episodes, especially when we talked about the first seal and the rise of this world government, 
I referred to a book, a book by Damon Vickers that's called The Day After the Dollar Collapses. And it talked about a world religion being formed. I also pointed out to you some of the um, theories, or I shouldn't say the theories, but the goals of the UN with their UN Proclamation 2030, where they were trying to create a one world religion. So this is going on now, people. The stage is set for a one world government to start rising up and a one world religion to rise up and control people's hearts. That way, people who are not believers will be more easily fooled and they will turn to worship the first beast and they will worship this Antichrist. And understand something, when they worship the Antichrist, they're also worshiping the devil. Again, look at Revelation 13. And we see this in uh, verse 4. They worshiped the dragon, which is Satan, Lucifer, the devil. They worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they worshiped the beast. So this is what's going on. When this second beast arises, it's a false religion that's causing everybody to worship the leader of the worldwide government as some type of uh, God-man some type of God on earth, and he's a false God, of course. He's the Antichrist. But through this, just like idol worship, they get involved in worshiping the devil. And that's what's going on here. So we've seen the rise of this beast, and we've seen the purpose of this beast. Now let's look at some of the actions of the false prophet. Some of the actions of the false prophet causes to happen during this vision that John is having. Let's start with Revelation 13, starting in verse 13. He did astounding miracles, such as making fire flash down to earth from heaven while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people of the world to make a great statue of the first beast, who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Then the statue commanded that everyone refusing to worship it must die. So this false prophet will be doing false miracles to encourage and deceive all the people of the world to worship the first beast. And that, of course, is the unbelievers. The people of the world refers to all the unbelievers. And they will worship the first beast because the one world religion headed up by the false prophet is encouraging them to do so. And understand, again, verse 4 of this chapter says, not only are they worshiping the beast, but the dragon who gives the first beast his power. So it is definitely worshiping Satan a worldwide religion of satanic worship that has united all the false religions of the world, and they are worshiping the devil and the beast, the one world leader, the Antichrist of this worldwide government. Now, Paul writes about this in 2 Thessalonians. He talks about this deceit. 
Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 says this, Then the man of lawlessness, that's Paul's nickname for the Antichrist, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. This evil man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of wicked deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to believe the truth that would save them. So the false prophet is going to be working hand-in-hand with the Antichrist. And through these false miracles, the Antichrist uh, will be making a big show of giving his power to the false prophet. And through these false miracles, he will fool the world into worshiping him. And this deception will be used by God to bring the unbelieving world into judgment. So the false prophet deceives the world on behalf of the Antichrist. And again, he's going to initiate idolatry. Look what it said in Revelation chapter 13 again. It says in verse 15, he he was permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak Then the statue commanded that everyone refusing to worship it must die. So somehow or another, they set up a representation of the Antichrist. Now, this word statue doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a a statue like we say in the English language. Uh, The Greek is a word that literally means an image. And it could be like an image on a coin. It's the same word used for the image of Caesar on all the coins of Rome. So it could be a statue, it could be just an image on the currency or on posters throughout the world, or it could even be some type of hologram that people use to see the speeches of the Antichrist, you know, being televised throughout the world. However they do it with technology, some sort of image will speak the words of the Antichrist, and the Antichrist will say, you will worship me. And the false prophet, this one world religion, the beast of the earth, will throw all their support into this idolatry to worship the beast. And notice that if they don't worship the beast, the first beast, the Antichrist, it says that they will die. And again, that is the whole crux of this issue. Verse 15, then the statute commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. This point in time in the world's future will be a point where a false religion will demand that you worship the Antichrist. Ultimately, we know that is worshiping the devil. So this false religion will be forming and it will be encouraging all the unbelievers to rebel against the one true God and to worship the devil and his servants, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And they will be worshiping the devil. And this will be their sin. And if they don't do it, Anyone who refuses to do it will be killed, will be 
persecuted, and killed. Now, how are they going to make sure they get everyone to worship the beast? And how will they be sure that they're killing everyone who doesn't worship this beast and is a part of this one world religion, this rebellion against the one true God? Well, they're going to use some identification. And not identification papers like a passport or a a driver's license, no. It's going to be a mark. A mark either on your hand, your right hand, or on your forehead. Let's read about this mark of the beast in Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 16. He required everyone, great and small, rich and poor, slave and free, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed to understand this. Let the one who has understanding solve the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six. Six, six. So the false prophet, the head of this false religion, the beast of the earth, will cause everyone to worship the one world government, the first beast, and its emperor, its leader, the Antichrist. And it will be using this mark to prove that everyone is worshiping the beast. And you will not be able to buy or sell or do anything without this mark. Now, this is interesting. This mark says clearly in the Bible, it's either on the for, uh, excuse me, the right hand or the forehead. Well, this is a little bit different, isn't it, than another mark we read about in Revelation. You remember when the 144,000 were marked out by God? You see, God uses a spiritual mark. It is something that quickens alive a person's spirit when they get saved, and they are marked out spiritually. But this one world religion has nothing to do with the spiritual world and with the one true God. And so they are using a physical mark because all they are looking at is the physical world, the physical reality. And that is only half of the true reality, like we've already talked about. But that's all they care about is trying to keep their physical world and their physical lifestyle the way they want it. And of course, then, the mark they use will be physical. Now, is it a tattoo? Could be. A tattoo on the hand of the right hand or the forehead, or it could be a microchip. Some theor- uh, theologians have theorized that it would be a microchip. Could be. The Bible doesn't really say. It doesn't say what type of mark it is, whether it be a tattoo or a microchip or what. But it does make it clear that without this mark, you will not be able to sell or buy anything. So it does restrict your freedoms. Either you worship the beast or you will be a non-entity in this world government and this world economy. And the Bible goes on and says that it is based on the name of the first beast, the Antichrist. It's the number of his name. Now, what does it mean, the number of his name? 
Well, in the Hebrew language, and some scholars say also in other languages, uh, but definitely in the Hebrew language, and since John was a Jewish person, he would understand this concept. Each letter of the Hebrew alphabet had a numerical value, and that numerical value could be added up for a number of a person's name. Now, the number of the name of the Antichrist is a number of that of a man, so it means that humans will understand it, and it's 666. Now, we read it just like I read it as 666. Because that's, that's just the way we read in America, isn't it? Well, you know, we give phone numbers that way, too, each individual digit. And lots of times you'll write checks out. And, you know, how much is this check for? Well, it's for 345 You know, we don't necessarily say 345 It's just implied. But the actual way it's written in the Greek is 666. It is not three sixes. Three sixes in a name uh, that would be three different names. Now, this is some name that adds up to the value of not just six three times. No, but 666. But since it is repeating the six, it's pretty clear also this is referring to the sixth day of creation when mankind was created. So this is another way God saying, look, this whole false religion is based on a form of humanism that ultimately worships Satan. And this mark, whether it be a tattoo or a microchip or whatever, is based on the numerical value for the ruler of this one world government, the Antichrist. It's based on his name somehow and that it will add up to 666. Now, a lot of people say, well, hasn't this already come about? Hasn't there been some Roman emperors that added up this way? Well, that's the thing. See, depending on your interpretation of Revelation, some people think all this stuff has happened. I don't, and I've already given you my reasons for thinking that. But let's kind of be clear. Even in these places in the history, they point to certain Roman emperors or popes, or I heard one theory that was Ronald Wilson Reagan, because each letter in his name was a six, 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 six letters in each name. But throughout history, people are trying to say who this person was. But whenever they come up with a person, just look at the history that follows. Did they kill everybody that didn't worship them? No. Did they cause no one to be able to buy or sell unless they had their name or mark of this name tattooed on them? No. So history may have people that you can come up with names that add up to this value. But you also have to look at the events and no one in history did what it says is going to happen here, that they will cause everyone to worship them, and no one can buy or sell without this mark on them. Now, another thing that concerns people is people say, well, wait a minute. You know, we think that this will happen before the rapture. But what if it doesn't? What if it happens in the middle? Well, now that's a valid theory. We're going to talk more about that theory next session. But let me point to something. I'm always trying to do what the scripture says. Bring out the best evidence. Do we know for sure? No, we don't. But we have enough evidence, I think, to indicate that this is happening after the rapture, after that sixth seal. 
But even if it doesn't, you don't have to worry about being tricked into getting the mark. It's not like you're going to walk into the doctor's office and they put you out for some type of surgery and you wake up and you have the mark on. Oh, we didn't know you didn't want the mark. And then you're sold your soul to the devil without really wanting to. No, it doesn't work like that. You will know what you're doing when you get the mark. Now, how do I know that? Well, because the Bible says that. Let's look at some verses. Revelation 13, 4 says they worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they worshiped the beast. So this mark is based on worship. Revelation 13, verse 8, and all the people who belong to this world worshiped the beast. Revelation 13, verse 12, he exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and those who belong to this world to worship the first beast. Okay? And then finally in verse 15, he was permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. So when you get this mark of the beast, it is based on worshiping the beast, the Antichrist, and ultimately Satan himself. So let's think about worship. Worship isn't something you do by accident. It is a conscious decision. So people will know what they're doing when they get the mark of the beast. They will know that they are literally putting their allegiance towards the devil, towards Satan and his servant, the Antichrist. And they will be worshiping Lucifer himself. They will be involved in such an idolatry that it is just like Baal worship of old, where they are basically worshiping the devil. And they will know that they are doing that. They will make a conscious decision to worship. And this mark of the beast is tied to that worship of Satan and that conscious decision to do so. So people can't be tricked into getting this mark accidentally. That's something you don't have to worry about. If it comes along, people will know what's happening. They will know that they are turning their back on Jesus and worshiping the beast and taking his mark, worshiping the devil. Now, why would anybody do that, you say? Well, think about it. This is why, again, I think this happens after the sixth seal, after the rapture, okay? Because We go through the seals and then the trumpets, and it is kind of put in a chronological order, I think, in Revelation. Think about the sixth seal or the rapture. It says that they will see the Son of Man coming in his glory up in the sky, and we will all be gathered up to meet him in the sky. At that point, Jesus doesn't come down to earth, but it says that every eye will behold him up there. And they cried out for what? For the mountains to hide them, for the rocks of the mountain to bury them from the wrath of the Lamb. So when the rapture happens, like we studied earlier, the world is going to be so fearful and in a panic of what they've seen, I think that fear of being judged by the one true God will give them a hope, a false hope, of course, but they will say, maybe we can beat the lamb. And I think that's why 
all the people of the earth, the unbelievers, will follow behind the Antichrist because he will say, let's unite. Let's unite and go against Jesus. We can beat him if we unite together because here is the dragon himself, an angel, and he is living within the Antichrist and giving me my power. And it says the Antichrist, and everyone who worships me will all unite and I will lead you to victory against Jesus when he comes with all his armies. Now, I think that's going to be the motivation. Their fear of knowing that they are close to judgment is going to allow them to willingly sell their souls to the devil and worship the devil and receive his mark and worship the Antichrist and receive the number of his name either on their hand or their forehead. And that's what's going on. And see, this happened once before, all the way back in Genesis. It involved a, a mark, per se, but they built a tower called the Tower of Babel. And if you read the accounts of history with this and Jewish tradition, you realize this was more than just a building. This was a huge altar raised up to the heavens, and it was a part of, of worshiping demonic uh, beings. It was the way that they were opening up to the, the spiritual world and worshiping demons. It was the forerunner of what became later as Baal worship. But the whole world united behind it. Why? Because they said, if we do this, he won't ever be able to send a flood on us again. But God spoiled their plans and brought different languages to different groups and scattered us through the world. And that's how we started uh, growing and, and adapting, and, and that became the beginning of the different races, I think. But this happened once before, and that's what's going to happen now. Fear is going to drive people to avoid being judged by the one true God, and they don't want to repent and give up their sins, so they follow the Antichrist, and now they have a one-world religion that says, oh, it doesn't matter who you worship as long as you worship somebody, and so everybody will go headlong into worshiping the Antichrist, the beast, and the one who gives the beast his power, the dragon, Lucifer himself. Now let's summarize what we've learned so far. Revelation 13 talks about two beasts. The first beast is the beast of the sea. And we've learned that the dragon, who is Satan, is forming his eighth worldwide power that he backs. And we talked about that last session, the history of the other seven powers. This seven-headed beast is told in the book of Revelation is that this is actually the eighth world government coming aboard. And this worldwide government came from the sea in John's vision. And it will likely arise during the first seal. So I think we will start seeing the formation of this worldwide government while Christians are still on earth. And it will be under the guise of a 10-kingdom confederacy. And sometime during this point, an individual will rise up and take over three of these kingdoms, and it will become the worldwide government ran by this individual who's called the Antichrist. And this name, of course, is John's nickname for him in his epistles. 
Paul called him the man of sin or the man of lawlessness. But this worldwide government will rise up during the first seal, more than likely. It will be empowered by Satan. The Antichrist, the ruler of this government, will be, I think, possessed by the devil, possessed by Satan. And he will rule the world, and he will cause everyone to worship him. Now, something else is interesting about this Antichrist, this world leader. It's found in the book of Daniel. It's a very interesting phrase, and it's such a strange phrase in the Hebrew that many of the modern translations uh, don't know how to make up, a, you know, how to, how to translate it. And so they use different ways of trying to interpret it. But if you do a word-for-word -word translation like the New American Standard does, this is very accurate to what the Hebrew is saying. Listen to what it says. Daniel 11, verse 37. He, referring to this little horn that Daniel called him, what we know to be the Antichrist, he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers. See, he won't worship the one true God or any of the other religions. He'll create his own religion. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers. And this is the strange phrase. Listen to this. Or for the desire of women. Nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all. Now, like I said, some modern translations don't know what to do with this Hebrew phrase. And they think, well, maybe it's talking about he won't like any of the gods that women like. But I don't think that's what it is. I think if the New American Standard translates it very literal and I think very accurately, the Antichrist will not worship any of the gods of previous kingdoms and religions, and he definitely won't worship the Jewish God, Jehovah, who is also the Christian God, the one true God, Jehovah God, and Jesus, the Messiah. He won't worship any of that. He'll start his own world religion. But this phrase also says he won't have any of the desire for women. Now, what could this mean? Well, it could mean that he's some type of monk or cleric that, you know, takes a vow of chastity and, and is never with a woman. But what I think it's talking about is I think the Antichrist will be part of the homosexual or transgender culture that has arisen so uh, quickly in the world, and quite frankly, very vehemently. It is a very angry revolution going on in the world for homosexual and transgender culture. And I think the Antichrist will be part of that culture. And that kind of explains ever since the, you know, back in Obama's second term, just about six years ago, is when the whole world, all, it didn't happen just in the United States, it, had, it you know, fanned out all across the world in just a few weeks or months. So many nations in the world, almost all of them, made it legal for same-sex marriages. And this movement has just taken on a lot of ferocity, and it is out there now, big time. And you know what I'm talking about. So I think the Antichrist will be a part of this movement. I think it will either be a some kind of transgender or uh, homosexual, but he will not have the desire of women. And the one world religion, I think, will support it. And we can begin to see that now. Last year, February 11th, 2020, a study came out from Lifeway Research. So it's a very current study. 
And it said that 49% of the mainline Presbyterian churches and 47% of the Methodist churches here in America believe it's okay for same-sex marriage. And so this number is growing within the Christian community. Of course, homosexuality is a sin. The Bible's clear on that. Same-sex marriages are a sin. They're not of God. But I think the Antichrist will be part of this culture, and the one world religion will push it even more vehemently than it's being pushed in our politics today. As that's going on, when the Antichrist arises, he will sponsor this one world religion to justify his sins and also all the sins of everyone in the world. And they will create an ecumenical uh, religion that's involving the Catholic and I think the Muslims. It will be headed up by a person nicknamed the false prophet. That's what John calls him later on in the book of Revelation. And this will involve idolatry and satanic worship. And they will cause everyone to take the mark of the beast, some type of 666 number on your hand or forehead. And if you don't convert and worship the devil, then you will be killed. This is why I think the Muslims will be a part of it, because that's the way the Muslim religion works throughout history. They would invade countries and say, you either convert to Islam, you either become a Muslim, or we will slaughter you. And if you didn't convert, they wiped you out. That's the way they do evangelism. And we're going to see that same thing going on with the mark of the beast. So that's what's happening. There will be a time, I think, when Christians are on earth, they will see the beginning of the rise of this one world government. It will sound okay then, initially, because it will be a confederation of ten kings, like we've already discussed many episodes ago. But eventually, the Antichrist will arise in it. He will form a one world religion. He will cause everyone to worship him. And he will hunt down and persecute Christians. Because as this one world religion is developing, I think the fifth seal will be going on and true Christians will be spreading the true gospel. Then the rapture will come and the Antichrist will use all that fear of people seeing the rapture and Jesus coming back to gather up his people. That will scare them about God's judgment. They will unite behind the Antichrist. They will form a one-world religion that is obviously worshiping the devil. They will unite and worship with. Uh, I mean, they will unite and worship of Satan, and they will unite with Satan in his rebellion against Jesus. And that's what will lead them through the next uh, several years in rebellion against God, all the way up to Armageddon. Now you're probably wondering. How should you respond to this? Well, I'll give you two things I think you need to think about. Number one, we've already kind of touched on this because some people think maybe Christians will be here. And we'll talk more about that next, next week when we talk about a different theories, whether it be a, it's commonly called a pre-trib or a mid-trib viewpoint. But some people think, what if we're here? What should we do? Well, I think, like I said from the very beginning when we started this study, Hedge your theology. I'm giving you what I think is the best evidence in Scripture. And I think that veil is being lifted, and the Holy Spirit is revealing to us the truth nowadays. It's more easily understood than ever before. And I really, truly believe the rapture will happen before all this with the mark of the beast. I think it will 
not include Christians who are alive today. However, like I said from the very beginning in our our first couple episodes in this series, I said, hedge your theology. You remember when I said that? What does that mean? It means believe everything you can, interpret everything you can as most accurately as you can, but realize that God still has a lot of the prophecy veiled. He will only reveal it when it's time to, and keep trusting him. And so if that comes up and you're here, then hedge your theology. Don't take the mark. I mean, look at me. I'm not going to, I really believe we'll be gone when this happens, that Christians will already be raptured. But if I all of a sudden, you know, a year from now or whatever, they start saying, Todd, you're going to have to take a mark either on your hand or your forehead, or you're not going to be able to uh, buy or sell food anymore. Hey, y'all, I ain't taking the mark. I may believe a certain way based on my study, but always hedge your theology when it's talking about something with the future. Because you don't know for sure about the future. It's still veiled slightly. I think we're teaching the right thing that we'll be gone. But just in case, keep trusting God. If that ever happens, don't take the mark. And if you ever find yourself, if you're an unbeliever and you find yourself that you, you know, there in the tribulation, whatever you do, don't take the mark. And if you are an unbeliever, I encourage you to get saved now. Put your faith and trust in Christ now so that you don't even have to face it. But if for some reason you refuse to believe in Jesus now and you're faced with this choice, whatever you do, my friend, don't take the mark. And for you believers, always trust God. Yes, we think we have the proper interpretation of this passage, but keep trusting God no matter what happens in world events. And never take the mark brothers and sisters. And always remember that no matter what we go through, God is there for us. You can always trust him. He will always be a very present help in trouble. And he will take care of you. Whether it be going on today with the COVID virus or the troubles you're experiencing today or something in the future, You can always trust God, even during the days of a one-world government. So keep your faith and trust alive in Him and follow Him. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and read your Bible. Thank you for listening to Todd Talks Bible, sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. For more information, please visit churchdiscipleshipministries.com or check today's show notes for the link. Our teachings are also available on YouTube. Simply search for Todd Talks Bible. I'm Brian Race, encouraging you to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also consider sharing this timely teaching with someone you believe needs to hear it. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.